Filmmaker Commentary, episode 18. Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we give you insights from our favorite filmmaking commentaries. These commentaries can be heard on your DVD and Blu-rays of your favorite movies. We'll show you how you can use these commentaries and apply them to improve your video production and filmmaking techniques. All of this here on Filmmaker Commentary. I'm your host, Reginald Titus Jr. Welcome to another episode of Filmmaker Commentary. I'm your host, Reginald Titus Jr. I'm here with... Casey G. Smith. Welcome back. Good to be back, sir. So we are going over Sin City, directed by Frank Miller and Robert Rodriguez. And if this is your first time listening to this show, spoiler alerts. Absolutely spoiler alerts. Also, we're here to help out filmmakers, writers, producers... Um, by listening to film filmmaker commentaries, director commentaries, producer commentaries on Blu-rays, DVDs. We take gems from that and pass that on to you so you don't have to listen to them. Booyah. Save some time and learn something. So, Sin City, it debuted in 2005. The budget was about $40 million. Domestically, it made $74.1 million. Internationally, it made $84.6 million for a worldwide of $158 million. So uh, Robert Rodriguez made uh, the Weinstein's very happy that year. I'm sure that he did. And critically acclaimed as well. Looking back at this film, Robert Rodriguez is definitely ahead of his time. Because you got to keep in mind, this is 2005. So he's producing this thing, what, 2003, 2004, around that era. Yeah. And even though there was a blue screen and graphics, of course, things like that, CGI, nobody was just, just straight up just shooting green screen like that. Like, it's, like, normal now, of course. You know, you got Frank Miller's 300. You got all these other things that have happened since then. But he was pretty much a leader in d- shooting this way. Absolutely. I mean, and, and the crazy thing is that it still holds up. Yeah. And, and revisiting this film and looking at the effects, you know, a lot of times after a co- even a couple of years or a year later, you can go back and see something and say, oh, okay, I can really kind of tell the CGI aspects. This one, it's still, it's... It man, it holds up so well. Yeah, uh, it really holds up well. And when you see the behind the scenes, some of the featurettes on the Blu-ray, which I highly recommend, it's loaded with yeah. features. And Rod- Rodriguez is such a generous filmmaker uh, that if you're a filmmaker, you will benefit from this. If you're just a fan of maybe it's the content of Frank Miller, you're going to benefit. But you can see, um, you can see and actually watch a 10-minute version that R- Rodriguez has sped up with just the green screen and just the actors' performances. And it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. And uh, when this movie came out, um, I didn't go to the theaters and see it. I was finishing up college at the time. Uh, but when the DVD came out, rented it. And I remember just the story at the time when I watched it, I wasn't really intrigued so much about the story or the graphic novel or anything like that. I was just intrigued by how it looked. I think that grabbed a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Or just the, the visuals alone. Yeah, I was like, what is this? Never heard of Sin City or anything like that. And wasn't uh, a fan of Robert Rodriguez at that time because this, you know, I'm finishing up school, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, getting a job, whatever comes after that. Fast forward, you know, 2007, 2008, graduate during the recession. <laughs> get Surprise. My first, yeah, get my first job. They find ways to let people go. And I fall into filmmaking. Well, like 
since I was all, I was shooting in high school and I was shooting in the neighborhood and you know in college I was in the PR department so I was always around video production but never really thought about filmmaking as a job a career or anything like that it was just something as a hobby something I always did um, but getting the book um, Rebel Without a Crew by Robert Rodriguez kind of set me down this road hmm. I read his book and I was like oh how do I not know about this guy even I know of him but not really like I've seen a couple of his movies seen Spy Kids and stuff like that but never really studied the guy so by him having a book, and there's not that many filmmakers that have books out. Uh, you have Kevin Smith, Spike Lee, they kind of talk about their process. But there's very few ma- filmmakers that have a book about their process. You, huh. you have other people that, that will do a work about, you know, like the unofficial Steven Spielberg, whatever, or Stanley Kubrick. But very few filmmakers do that. And I grabbed their book. It was just a diary on how he made El Mariachi. And it just opened my eyes up. And so I started studying his films, you know, starting with El Mariachi first. And then that's when I started discovering commentaries and just sitting and listening to them. And this commentary was one of the, the first ones where I was just like, oh, my God. You know, I listen to every single one. You know, the Frank Miller one, the Tarantino one. And uh, just kind of got like just a film school out of this whole thing. It, it is, like I said before, he is such a generous filmmaker. When I first came to Sin City, it was, it was later. I didn't, I didn't see it in the theaters. Um, I first watched it on Blu-ray. Oh, wow. There you yeah, go. I first watched it on <laughs> Blu-ray. It was one of the first Blu-rays, actually, that I purchased. That's a treat. And I remember when I put it in and hit play, I was visually just blown away. Mm-hmm. I mean stunned and i just got an hd tv and i'd gotten a a, oh, a wow. ps3 <laughs> and i may have even done a search of like some of the best looking you know movies on blu-ray and i think it came up and so i went and i purchased it and i put it in and i was just it is just visual eye candy plus again i'm a i'm, I'm a nerd i love graphic novels now while i hadn't read frank miller's sin city always been a fan of frank miller just, I mean, amazing works that he's done. I mean, Frank Miller is a is a legend in the comic book industry and in pop culture in general. I mean, his seminal works like The Dark Knight Returns um, revitalized Batman and, and showed the world that superheroes and comic book characters can be more than just your Saturday morning variety. And these stories can be deep and meaningful and have and, you know, be a commentary on society. So uh, in watching it, the story also did stand out to me you know this anthology yeah. working of um of these different stories coming together you know based obviously in in, in vegas uh <laughs> or in, in nevada maybe i should say but it was gripping and the, the actors who were who were in there and now you know having done research and, and obviously i knew bruce willis and jessica Alba right. and um you know, I'd seen some of the things with Mickey Rourke, but man there's some great performances man, in here they crushed it yeah and so yeah, but watching it on Blu-ray for the first time, it just, I was I think once I saw it, I, I actually remember saying, I remember telling people, I was like, you have got to watch this <laughs> yeah. movie on Blu-ray. This is amazing. And that's a pretty common reaction to this film. And I bought, and I had the DVDs when it came out. So it was like two, three disc DVDs came with the actual graphic novel. So you can like flip through the book as the movie's going on. I was like, this is this, this is the same thing when I'm watching on TV. It's in the graphic novel. And so my first time watching on Blu ray was a few hours ago. Ah. <laughs> 
you know, with the commentary, you know, because I, I, I watched the movie so much that you know, I, I didn't have to watch it again. But watching it on Blu-ray and revisiting the commentary, this holds up. You know, one thing, I think when the, when the film originally came out, I think it was, no, maybe that's an option on the Blu-ray. I think there's an option where you can actually have it play in sequential order as well. Mm. Actually, I'm quite positive. There's actually an option where you can get the whole thing to play in sequential order. Oh. It'll, it'll actually break up the stories and play everything sequentially, all the scenes sequentially. That's true. That's true. And the in each it's three it's three stories, right? Yes. And they are longer. They had to cut it down for theatrical purposes. But if you watch it, it <laughs> you can watch them like kind of like standalone or in sequential order. The uncut version. It's uh, it's a little bit longer. Indeed, it's, it's, a it's still fun. good. Still good. It's but still yes, good, but yeah, I, I I prefer the edited. I prefer the theatrical version. So overall, this commentary is definitely more technical. But of course, there's two tech. There's two commentaries. So you have the one with Frank Miller and Robert mm-hmm. Rodriguez, and then you have the one with Robert Rodriguez, Tarantino, and Bruce Willis. They all make a guest appearance, but it's it's primarily Robert Rodriguez. I prefer the one with Robert Rodriguez. Um, just in general, whenever he's doing a commentary, because he, he usually takes notes and he's kind of doing his flow. But sometimes when somebody else is, he, uh, his personality sometimes is to entertain to make sure, you know, that person's okay. And da, da, da. like you can kind of see his personality kind of like kind of cater to the person that's there. Mm. That's just his personality because he grew up in a household of like 10 kids. And, you know, it's it's kind of interesting to see. But I like him when he kind of does these things by himself because he's really technical and he makes sure that he's going through everything like that. I enjoyed uh, the commentary. It was cool when when Tarantino came in and was kind of sharing his stuff. I really enjoyed actually when Bruce Willis came in oh, yeah. because there yeah. were, he he dropped some some really good nuggets and, and, and pearls of of wisdom and just mm-hmm. his his process and his experience and his even interactions with Frank Miller. And uh, it, it, it's it's sometimes real fascinating to get into, especially an established actor's Man, head. Doesn't and, get any more established than that. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> He's, I mean, he's a he's a legend, an absolute legend. But you could tell that, man. I mean, he's he's obviously worked with Tarantino from you know, with Pulp Fiction, and then and then to to be cast in this, um, and of course, you know, we we covered Looper uh, a yeah. couple episodes back, and he's you know obviously one of the main actors in that. Like people just know when to tap, you know, tap Bruce. And it's fascinating to me as 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 big of of an action star as he's been. I don't know that I'd call Sin City. I mean, I guess it's not an indie film, but uh, it seems like it was like shot almost like a. Indie Pretty film, much, if you, you know, think it's about away it. from the system. It's away mm-hmm. from LA. You got to fly to Texas. Ten days worth of shooting, yeah. and and yeah. So I enjoyed hearing his comments in in the mm-hmm. commentary and interacting with um, with Mr. Rodriguez. Uh, so I enjoyed that commentary. For if you're listening to this, definitely check out the one with Frank Miller, and then also look through the special features. You know the. There's a 15-minute film school. That's what Robert Rodriguez is known for. He has a, a, a special features in a majority of his films, and it's called uh, the Film School. He coined them the 10-minute film school, before, and this one is 15 minutes. The 15-minute film school, he has an all-screen version of the film. That might be something interesting. You can maybe rip it and then try to put your own special effects on top of it. Ah. Wow. Thanks, Robert Rodriguez. Interesting. There's something called the long take, which is the scene with um, Clive Owen mm-hmm. and Benicio, Benicio del Toro, and yeah. just and <laughs> you can see how uh, Tarantino is trying to actually direct him. So this time you just gotta be just cool, man. Just just totally cool. Just being cool. Just cool. And you can see like how he's a jerk too. Like Tarantino sometimes can be a jerk, 
He's like, well, CGI isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Or like, it's just like, <laughs> he's asking like for smoke and stuff and like kind of pissing people off a little bit. Mm. You can see how he can be kind of a jerk. Then there's a live concert, Sin City live concert. Yeah, I actually, I actually watched that. So I didn't, either I knew or maybe I'd forgotten that Bruce Willis actually has a band. Yeah. And dude can legit sing. And so they held this little small little concert, like a little benefit for some kind of charity. And, oh, man, there was another director kind of close by in town who was shooting something as well. And they kind of all came through. And so it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a song, uh, one song sung by Bruce Willis and his his band. And he's crushing it. I'm like, oh, wow, dude has, dude has pipes. And Robert Rodriguez, man, he just shows people a good time whenever they're coming to make movies. He, of course, Robert Rodriguez is also a musician as well, you yeah. know, playing the guitar um, a lot of his music is on his movies and other people's movies, and he just shows a good time coming to Texas, you know, like, hey, let's go hang out at the bar, let's go play, let's do this. It's like, you're just going to a playground whenever you're coming to Austin to hang out with him. And probably eat some good food, too, because he also uh, will show you how to, to cook as Ten well. minute cooking school. Yeah, showed how to make some breakfast tacos. I mean, his, <laughs> with his grandmother's recipe for homemade tortillas, que yeah. sabroso. Yes. So, yeah, just, I mean, again, such a generous individual like like you know we've talked about different directors that we say oh man you know i'd like to maybe meet this 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 director in person yeah and rodriguez is definitely one of those people he's just an awesome man we might have to you know make a road trip and see what happens you know we're we're, we're here in the in the the dallas area so why not he's a fellow texas native Mm -hmm. so rodriguez if you're out there holler at us filmmaker so there's more special features i ain't gonna go through all of them but there's quite a few so Pick those, pick it up, man. It's definitely worth the purchase. Okay, we're just gonna go right into you know the points for the day. Make it easy to say yet yeah, to say yes. Uh, be a salesman. Robert Rodriguez is like like a true salesman. He, he's good at convincing people to do things. And then on top of that, he does all the hard work. So when he is pitching you, it's he already assumes you're gonna say yes because he has all this awesome stuff for you to watch. And he has just a whole pitch for Frank Miller whenever he he went to meet Frank Miller, meet up with him. You want to talk about the process of what he sure. did? Obviously, number one, he was clearly a fan of, of Frank Miller and had, had read Sin City in, in different incarnations of Sin City. He said he actually found himself going to the comic book shop and he'd go and buy uh, an issue of Sin City or you know a hardback or graphic novel. And then he'd get home and realize he already had the same copy. You know, Maybe the cover was different. So he just kept purchasing it and reading it. And finally, you know, he had an idea for it. And before he even had the rights to... To, to shoot anything, he had already put together some some test footage, and and was reaching out to Frank, reaching out to his lawyer and his agent, and you know Frank was really protective of, of this property, and you know had had maybe some not so good experiences with dealing with people in Hollywood, and so hadn't gotten back to him, and finally he was able to get a hold of him and said, hey, you know, look Frank, I've got this concept that that I've I've put together, I just wanna I'm, I'm gonna be in New I'm you know I'm gonna be in New York. For like three days, so right. uh, man, you know, if you have a you know, moment to, to to meet up, that that'd be great. You know, it's no obligation, but if you like it, then we you know, we can we can chat. And Frank's like, oh well, if you're gonna be in New York, then um, yeah, maybe we can meet up at a bar or something like that. He's like, okay, great, you know. And they set the date, and then Rodriguez tells his wife, honey, we're going to New York. So he didn't even have <laughs> plans to be there. He was gonna be there, but he just set that up, and so right. he and Frank meet at a bar. He's got a laptop, and uh, you know, has Frank watch it and. You know, Frank is is taken by it, blown away, and, and, and that footage is in the first scene of the movie. Yeah, it's the, the the same thing, which is amazing. It even kind of pulls pulls out, and that's where Frank could see how Rodriguez would take and 
not only be faithful to the material, but then take and expand on it as needed. And yeah. So Robert Rodriguez, you know, talking about this, he says when, you know, they're from Texas, Frank Miller's in New York. So whenever you come into L.A. and you're from out of town, people tend to take your meetings a lot, a lot more serious, quicker and quicker. They, you know, made made some calls, and within the, a couple of days, they were able to meet with Bruce Willis, meet with Tarantino. I think they met with Clive during that time. They they got quite a few of the actors that he wanted to work with in that short period of time because they were going to be there for a while. So mm-hmm. even though Bruce was in the middle of shooting something, he stepped away, made time. He watched just a couple of minutes, or maybe even seconds of of the footage, and. Yeah, he actually paused it and said, whatever happens next on this, I'm in. Wow. Like, he was sold that quick. Plus, again, Rodriguez just, I mean, man, what a salesman. He actually had Bruce Willis's name in the the opening crawl that he had created, uh, the opening credits he had created. He put his name in there, and he was like, look, Bruce, your name is already in there. You got you to be in the film. So just helping the actor see the, see the vision. And again, he did all of this without the license, um, and he did this because he he knows how to do these things and has a strong team behind him. And he was able to just be absolutely prepared mm-hmm. and do the work up front, even though, you know, he wasn't getting obviously paid for it. But, you know, if you're going to show up to present something, to pitch something, you want to be 100 percent ready, especially at this level, especially approaching these legends, because yeah. respectively, these guys are both legends in their in their given field. So Rodriguez came correct. Yeah. And Robert Rodriguez, of course, has a background in drawing and he uh, had a cartoon that he did a comic strip with. So he was able to build that rapport with Frank Miller, you know, saying because nobody was giving Frank Miller his respect, you know, in regards to like directing and things like that Mm. before Robert Rodriguez got to him. But when Robert Rodriguez talked to him, Frank Miller was like, man, you you're telling me the exact opposite that everybody else had. And I'm liking what you're saying. (laughs) You know, and so much to the point where, again, Frank Miller not only gave his blessing, but clearly. You know, Rodriguez put him as co-director, not just as a producer or an executive producer on the project, but as a co-director. He respected Frank's work uh, as a as a writer, because Frank, you know, in in multiple comics, both wrote the the script and then illustrated. And there can be some That's problems amazing. there. Um, I don't know if this is again. We listened to the commentary that was Robert Rodriguez, but. Um, check out the commentary with Frank Miller, and I remember Rob Riggs talking about this. I don't know if it's on that commentary or if it's in the 15-minute film school, but when you have two directors that are not a bona fide team, uh, like a bona fide team could be like the Wachowski brothers or um, the Cohen brothers. Who are some other like bona fide teams? Uh, the Russo brothers. Russo brothers. So these are considered bona fide teams according to like the unions, the Lord union Miller. standards. And... Um, Robert Regan and Frank Miller are not a bona fide team. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you can't use your directors, director guild union thing. Right, right. So he, in order to make Frank Miller a director on this, he had to put that to the side and kind of like rescind that. So. Rodriguez is a, is a, is a rebel. Yeah. You know, uh, and he and he's not afraid to take risks. He's not afraid to push boundaries. So I respect him for that, you know, beyond yeah, I think you know guilds do what they do, and that's that's great. But he had a clear vision, had a chance to work with a, a hero, a legend, and he gave him that respect, and it, it worked out. You it know? did. It really did work out because again, technically, a lot of things that Frank 
is, is doing is, is directive in, in nature. And so, um, you know, you can have you can have a very experienced director. You could have someone with who has gone to school for specifically directing cinema, and they can make a a bad film. That's very know? true. And you could have someone maybe with very little experience and maybe be able to strike gold. And so, you know, um, again, kudos to Rodriguez for just making that collaboration happen. And and the other big part of that is that the actors, when they were on set. Knowing that that Frank was a director, not just a producer, mm-hmm. they could then feel comfortable in going up to Frank and asking them questions about their characters, which he just knew through and through and knew so intimately. Mm-hmm. So if they were del- delivering a line a certain way, or they needed to get a little more into the headspace of that character, Frank could give them he could give them exactly that to help with their performances. Also, you know, Robert Rodriguez mentioned that you know when you're your own editor, you know it's a real help. <laughs> To be able to see the vision all the way to the end and kind of know where things are going to go. You know, if you study Robert Rodriguez, he does a lot of jobs. Like he's, you know, the special effects supervisor, director, editor, writer. What's some other jobs? Producer. Editor. Composer. Yes. So like all these jobs and 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 it makes me think about like just Hollywood in general. All these jobs are backed by some union and the union basically they want to make sure that all their people are paid. So these people on a project like this, they want to make sure that, you know, their directors getting a minimum of a quarter of a million dollars, depending on the budget of the film. And same thing for the writers and the same thing for that. And so there's like unions attached to each one of these jobs. So just think about the money involved with all these jobs mm. it, it's, it's very interesting but the the fact that he can kind of get away with that it, it's awesome it was because of his um situation with uh miramax and what was their 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 spinoff company i can't think of the name of their spinoff company i think it's dimension films dimension okay um and you know with the success of like spy kids and all his other films it was like the perfect setup to do a film like this you know, they're like, well, you made us millions of dollars. You know, hey, any they're going to listen anytime he has an idea. <laughs> you go ahead and do your thing. <laughs> and so he's like, hey, just give me, don't give me that much money. Give me enough money to do my thing, hire these people. But um, they kind of leave him alone. And it's just a perfect setup for a film like this. Without, without that setup and somebody like Robert Rodriguez, this movie probably would never have happened. Well, at least not with um, Frank Miller, I think, as, as a co-director. I think I think we've been fine with him coming on being a you know a producer or something like that, but having him as a, a co-director, uh, yeah, I don't think it would have happened that way. And 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 him also performing as many jobs as he did because right. you know he works the camera a lot, yep. and that's that's not always uh, looked upon favorably in, in 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 within the Hollywood system. But you know he was behind the camera. Tarantino was behind the camera on, on the scene that that uh, that he directed, mm-hmm. um, and again, like like you said earlier, Rodriguez loves to edit his own films because even as he's shooting and getting the coverage, he already knows how he's going to piece it and composite. And this thing is a, I mean, it's it's an amalgamation of yeah. all these different pieces and digital effects and different performances it's a real life at different Photoshop, times. Basically, the mm-hmm. way that they're copying everything in, it's like photo, a live Photoshop. It's After Effects. Yeah, and. Again, it holds up. It, it I can't say it enough how, how how impressive it is. It's that it still holds up. And so there was this action sequence in uh, with Eli Elijah Wood and uh, Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. They had the fighting scene, and they weren't even in the same room when they were throwing these punches and kicks and all this stuff. It's just 
It's awesome how they were able to make that happen. Yeah, when when they mentioned it, I'm like, oh, and wow. And I can see the cuts. I can see exactly how it went down. And, you know, we kind of take that for granted. You need somebody that has vision because when you watch a movie like the movie 300, which is mm-hmm. a Frank Miller, uh, but it was directed by Zack, Zack Snyder, Snyder. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to turn it up a level because Robert Rodriguez already showed the blueprint. So yeah. now it's like, okay, we got the blueprint, but how do you turn it up a notch? And I think 300 is a just an example of how you take the sin city blueprint and just amp it up because it's already right. been proven I, I like that movie 300 is dope three it's on my shelf yeah and again <laughs> zach zach snyder uh kind of similar to rodriguez he's a, he's, a, he's a very generous filmmaker and mm-hmm. all in any of his blu-rays he's 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 laying out rolling out the red carpet he he makes his films with special features in mind uh, i think rodriguez does the, the same thing as well just having that extra coverage. And one thing I, I like about Rodriguez is that how he has, just has the camera going. Yeah, just keeps it rolling. Yeah, just keeps it rolling because even in rehearsal, you said Clive Owens did something in rehearsal and was kind of just working on the lines, but delivered a line in a certain way where it was like just, all right, perfect, we can use that. But yeah, but in relation to just the film itself being set within a, a green screen world, a green screen room, it allowed them to shoot what he needed to shoot and then take that and composite it and, and work with work stunt double and then work working with Elijah's stunt double and just fuse it together and it's it's seamless. And if, if, if someone hadn't have told you, oh, they weren't even in the same space, I'm like, oh, wait, what? It, it's wow. Like going back and looking at this after... Of course, it's 2005. I started lo- looking at this thing back in the day, 2008, 2009. Fast forward 10 years of being in video production, I can actually see how it's done. Like, mm. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we could pull this off if we had some money. <laughs> Something not quite like that, but I'm just saying on a very low budget, you can probably pull some of these scenes off and you can see how it's done. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, to go kind of go with Frank Miller, that allowed him to go and direct some of his own films. So he, what else did he direct? He directed another one of his graphic novels. I don't remember if I liked that one too much. He did um, The Spirit. Yes. Which wasn't his graphic novel. The Spirit that wasn't character. His? No, The Spirit has been around for a mm-hmm. long time. He was an older, mm-hmm. uh, older character. Uh, but Frank Miller did not create The Spirit. But um, I think it was, was that was it? Uh, I don't want you to, had I don't Samuel want to, Jackson it. in it. You had it Billy Zane, the Latino woman, um, Longoria, Eva Longoria. Not Eva Longoria, it's the other lady. The Spirit. Right. Samuel Jackson. I'm trying to remember. Samuel. Eisner. See, it was Eisner. Yeah, Will Eisner, the famed comic book author, and I think he might draw too. Um, so yeah, Frank Miller directed it. He and uh, Eisner both co-wrote it. Billy Pope was a cinematographer. So Jamie King, who was also in in Sin City, mm-hmm. and then Gabrielle, or excuse me, Gabriel Macht, Macht, M A C H T. He plays the spirit, and of course, yeah, Sam Jackson is in it. Um, Ava Mendez is that her name? Ava Mendez, she's in it also. Interesting. I've never I've never seen the spirit. I, I unfortunately heard just not good things. Uh, not good things about it when it when it came out here that it didn't go so well. Now I wonder if the difference is because of you know the spirit not being like a, an original character close to Frank Miller as far as capturing that voice. Even though he did kind of do what Rodriguez did, he went to Eisner, mm-hmm. uh, the source, to to help him direct it. But I think it was just something missing. Like it's 
like I wasn't really concerned about the Sin City characters until Robert Rodriguez presented it. And it it's missing that factor. The juice that made Sin City what it was mm. is honestly straight up it's Robert Rodriguez and his passion and what he's trying to do behind it. Frank Miller, of course, you know, you know, cut his teeth, you know, directing co directing with him, but standalone directing, I don't I don't see it. That was um even from his personality, just looking at his personality when you see the behind the scenes on you know, he's telling people certain things and he seems way like in his own world, a little mm. bit more introvert, you know, as a as a cartoonist and things like that. It uh, to me, you know, I'm just from the far outside looking in. It seems like he may not have the skill set to be that kind of director. Uh, you know, uh, there's so many different directors out there. You know, whether like a, like a George Lucas who mm-hmm. kind of comes across as a bit introverted, but he didn't even direct all the Star Wars films mm-hmm. uh, from the original trilogy. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and that movie had a bigger budget too. It was like sixty million dollar. Well, budget. he earned it, so it it was it was like okay, Sin City did its thing. Okay, we're gonna give it to you. This is a creator. This is that. Like from a studio standpoint, it makes sense. Yeah. But when you're like, if you're following a Robert Rodriguez and understand what makes this thing happen, it's like, oh, Robert's not gonna be part of this. Y'all not co-directing. Y'all not. <laughs> I wonder what I wonder what happened there. Why why uh, Rodriguez wouldn't have been a part of that in some kind of way. I don't know. I'll have to look at it. Oh, maybe he's one of the producers on the project. I didn't look that deep, but... Yeah, I wasn't really drawn. And when I found out Robert wasn't part of it, I wasn't really concerned. You're like, meh. Meh. I'll wait till DVD comes out. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I wish it had gone well for, for Frank, but yeah, that one, again, I've, I've heard just not kind things about it. But I should see it for myself to be able to form my own opinion. Right. Um, I watched it once, and I was, nah. Yeah. I'm gonna revisit though after, especially after going back and looking at Sin City. Definitely gonna go back check out this spirit. May not make a whole commentary about it, but uh. you sound very <laughs> hesitant. The spirit rent <laughs> may be, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I should just check it out. Do you do you do you own it? I did. Uh, it was on the DVD. It was on like DVD. I don't have it on Blu-ray. Uh. I'm getting kind of bougie the more I watch Blu-ray. Hey, like, you know, I pop in the DVD. I'm like, what is this? What's going on here? Something's wrong what with is the going TV. On here? Poke myself in the <laughs> eye? Why is it? I'm like, glasses <laughs> off? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, did, did Frank Miller, did he direct anything else besides The Spirit and, of course, Sin City? And they had Sin City 2, A Dame to Kill for, right? Right. Um, I, when, I, when I see him on, on IMDb, uh, you know, I click on his name and... From di- directing credit wise, they show some things that he produced, but from a directing standpoint, all I saw was um, he may have uh, also helped direct the Sin City, the, se- the sequel to Sin City. Okay, I can see that. That I can definitely see. Uh, Robert Regan's bringing back, like, come on, let's do another one. That would make sense, but Solo Jackson by himself directing, I just don't see it. Yeah, I think even the the second Sin City, a Dame to Kill for, I don't remember that being received all that well. Now, to me, honestly, I believe that that first one was enough. And so, sixty five million dollar budget, for world part two. Yeah, worldwide gross thirty nine million. Yeah, studio took a little bit of a bath on that one, so that that one did not. Uh, but also, I mean, that one was plagued with uh, with problems because I mean, it didn't come out until twenty fourteen. That's too long. That's a long way, but it wasn't. I mean, they. I remember they started production on on that one a while. That was. I mean, there were 
there were, I think, extensive reshoots. I mean, you, you talk from 2005 to 2014, almost almost 10 years to, to come out. Yeah, that was mm. forced. It was too late. They missed it. The perfect time would have been two years after that first one. Yeah, he didn't have to go back to the well on that one. I think people were beyond that afterwards. Another thing, he, Robert Rodriguez, he split up the art houses for each story. So there's three stories in this film. And in each one of those sections, Robert Rodriguez hired a separate art house to do the effects for that specific story. This is genius because this also involves like psychology. It's like, hey, it creates a little bit of competition between the art house. Like, who's going to do the better job? I think that was just genius on, on Robert Rodriguez's behalf by doing that. Yes, and it worked out in their favor. It not only caused them to create more than they needed to because he's like oh you know if uh you know if there's some stuff left you can just you know make it a black backdrop which <laughs> none of the students were going to do that and, right and then he would kind of drop subtle hints oh you know the other studio they're doing really well with their stuff and that just yeah that pushed the competition it pushed the the level of excellence uh within you know within each each of the studios and it yeah man again it's a beautiful film it, it absolutely shows and it also helped give a different look to each of the stories uh, each of them have their ha- has a slightly varied look to it, so it was it, it was it was a great strategy and it worked out. There's a shot. Um, well, we could just talk about networking, like how important it is to network. And Robert Rodriguez seems to be one of those extroverted people, not afraid to talk. You know, make sure everybody feels comfortable. And he talks about you know just finding projects for some of his you know acting friends and talk about working with Jessica Alba and how, you know, uh, working with her and how he wanted to find work for her, but it was just like, one day we'll work together. You know, you got to find a project that makes sense for both of you. And then once y'all finally get to work on that project, it's just like, you know, being part of a family or something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. He was finally able to, to connect. And she, of course, played the role of Nancy and crushed it. Um, Robert Riggs talks about having an objective eye looking over your shoulder. So, um, once everything was shot, it was in a can and he was editing, he would bring Frank Miller in to see a new cut every other month. Mm-hmm. Now, this kind of goes with my other point, what I was saying. Like, if you're directing a movie, you're going to be there every single day. <laughs> so, you sound like you're speaking from experience, Reginald. Every single day. <laughs> kind of director comes in every other month. So, <laughs> Man. No, just kidding. Co-director. He was co-director. <laughs> but... I think it was important, though, because Robert Rodriguez says that, you know, when when Frank would come in every other month, I'm just giving Frank Miller a hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he would come into town, he would have the fresh eyes to yes. kind of help Robert Rodriguez out. So, you know, take that as a hint, you know, have somebody that you can trust come in, look over your shoulder and offer their suggestions on things you need to cut. Because when you're, you know, you've directed the thing and now you're editing, you're too close to the project and you need somebody to have the fresh eyes that gives you some distance. And what was fascinating that that actually worked in uh, it, two ways. It, it, went, it went the other way as well because when they were getting set to shoot certain scenes, and again, we know how closely Rodriguez stuck to the graphic novel and how things were storyboarded and, and how things certain scenes looked. And there was there were certain scenes where Frank thought, "Oh, maybe we should change this for the sake of the of the shot." But there were times where Rob was like, "No, we'll keep it exactly like this." and and so they, you know, Frank being so close to the source material, sometimes it's like, oh, maybe I would have done this differently or that differently. Right. And so it kind of helped uh, to have Robert be the objective view. And then, of course, in the editing, Frank was able to be that for, for Robert Rodriguez. So that was that was cool to see the partnership work both ways in that regards. There, there's a scene that uh, Tarantino 
um, help direct. And Robert Rodriguez, of course, convinces everybody to try to work with him. And, you know, him and Tarantino being friends. And he's like, you know, come, I'm going to show you how this digital thing, how it's working and stuff like that like that and Tarantino's like well that's almost blasphemy but uh <laughs> because <laughs> it it was so difficult to shoot Kill Bill and it took so long and all that stuff he's like you know I'm, I'm gonna halfway listen to you and see what you're talking about so there's a portion in this film that's directed by Tarantino and a lot of people thought it was a scene where Miho was coming in chopping people's heads off mm-hmm. chopping their heads up makes perfect sense we've seen that in Kill Bill we but it's not did. that it's not that scene it's the scene where Clive Owen and Benicio Terra um, Benicio del Toro. Del Toro. They're having their conversation in the vehicle. What, what I found interesting leading up to Tarantino coming out and working with Rodriguez, while he was working on Kill Bill Volume 2, Rodriguez offered to do some of the, the composing yeah. for Kill Bill Volume 2. And again, it just speaks to the talent of Rodriguez. Yeah. Like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And he did it for, he did it at no cost, did it for free. And kind of, again, I'm sure he did it at the kindness of his heart, but at the same time, he was able to extend an opportunity to Tarantino to say, hey, like I said, if you want to come and kind of just test out this digital thing, we're going to be shooting this scene. So he created an opportunity for a friend to kind of just help expose him to something new, made it as easy as possible because all of Rodriguez's team was there. You know, he has his own digital production company in Austin. Right. When Tarantino had thought about doing things with digital before, you know, there were other hurdles. So, again, it goes back to, the, to you know, your network. And he was able to network, able to, to do a favor for a friend, and then turn that favor into even an opportunity for a friend. So it was still a win-win for Tarantino to come yeah. through, make it easy. And it's great to work with people that you like. It's great to be able to work with with friends. And, and you can see, you can see actually in the behind-the-scenes footage, uh, a full, there's a full take. Um, it's, about, yeah. it's about 14 minutes long, but it's, it's part of Rodriguez just letting the cameras run. And him and Tarantino both being able to go in, give direction to the to the actors, but also being able to see what each other are both shooting uh, between the two cameras, which was was pretty cool as well. And that scene, man, the scene is pretty awesome. It's the way that yeah. it, it it plays out, and in the lighting, and Tarantino taking influence from another uh, movie. But the fact that Tarantino says he was actually even a little bit nervous going into it. Uh, it's like, wow, why would this guy be nervous? He's He said he was storyboarding and writing all this stuff mm-hmm. and and no and Robert Rodriguez and their crew, they're no they're nobody storyboarding, they're just shooting shooting a lot. And Tarantino's coming in with his storyboards, okay, we're gonna shoot this. They're like, What? A shot list? What are you doing? Wow. We know what we're doing today? What are we doing? So that that's cool, you know, you're over prepared for it, but hey, that's what you do as a director. You don't know what's going on, you over prepare. Yes, sir. And but be ready to be spontaneous. And mm-hmm. if you have something that's going to work better the day of, you know, be flexible and ready to, to roll with that. Speaking of which, um, Tarantino talks about like just being inspired. So when inspiration hits. So there was, a, of course, the same scene that we're talking about. Um, Clive Owen, you know, they were in between his monologue. They were going to cut in between. Clive Owen didn't, you know, didn't memorize his whole long couple pages of dialogue but tarantino wanted to do it like it all in one shot and so you know he kind of asked you know could we do that could he could, could you learn the the lines and tarantino was more like that could be a hit or miss with any actor you know it's like okay well it'll take me a day to learn this so tomorrow we can do this yes and so clive owen being trained what is it how is he trained classically classically trained trained, just takes it goes with his coach and in 10 15 minutes was it it wasn't even 10 minutes was it eight minutes eight minutes 
learns this dialogue and crushes it and delivers it just like and again you can you can literally watch in that in the same behind the scenes footage you can literally watch clive delivering the line the monologue straight on straight straight on so clearly he learned it and he was ready to go can you imagine Train that? Like, what do you have to? What training trains that? I'll be honest. It, it's it's not it's not an uncommon skill set. I think for f- hopefully for an actor to have. Uh, I remember I, I took commercial acting class before, and what things we have to do would we we get you know these little commercials, and then you have to look at the dialogue, and then we would have to go and, and get you get a little bit of time to prepare, and then go on camera and and do it. And so one it just of the, seems so awesome when you don't know the trick, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and so the key thing they would tell you is to try to look for key words that kind of open up the the dialogue for you. If you can remember a couple of key words, uh, it could be an adjective, could be a noun, could be a verb, but if you can remember that key word, then that can kind of boom. Or as long as I remember this, then I know that the whole sentence is is this, or this word means all of this. And there's a perfect explanation for this. Um, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Alfonso. Am I saying his name right? The one that played Carlton? Yes. So he mentioned how they had to memorize lines very quickly. And he would learn like the whole script. Like he'll know um, Will Smith's lines. He'll know his lines. Mm-hmm. And so he visually he said it looks like this. When you're looking at, I'm looking at Will Smith. And as I'm looking at Will Smith, as he's saying his dialogue, imagine like a hologram of a script floating over his head mm-hmm. and you, you can kind of see it then when wow. it's your turn you're like like a teleprompter almost. yeah like, a like yeah exactly it's like a teleprompter you can see it and that's like the you know that's how he explained how it looks to an actor when you're doing this real quick in addition to that will smith early on in the early episodes of the prince of bel-air they said that will smith of course he had like everybody's lines memorized and they say in some of the earlier episodes you can actually see him when you have kind of uh a, a, a uh, a full shot of, of maybe multiple people in, in, in a scene, if you look at Will Smith, you can almost see his lips moving. He's like mouthing the lines of, of the other actors. And they had to kind of say, no, you, you, Will, uh, so you're moving your mouth, kind of verbalizing or, or at least lip syncing to other people's lines. We got to have you not do that. you know. And so, he, But he was so dialed in and knew knew the whole script so that's that's fascinating to to see and hear but true professionals again not not knocking anybody if 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 your preparation uh if your system is to have to take a little bit more time because you need to get in a certain headspace and maybe it takes you a little bit longer that's fine and tarantino even says that he says you know every actor's different Mm -hmm. but it's all that more impressive that clive owens would say okay just give me a little bit of time and come back eight minutes later. Clive Owen. Every time I see him, I'm, there, he was in this movie called Shoot 'Em Up. Mm. Have you seen this movie called Shoot 'Em Up? I don't. Ooh, maybe I don't. I don't think so. No, you would know. Um, <laughs> no, you would know. Okay. <laughs> he, he's almost like Bugs Bunny in this movie. Like he has a literally has a carrot in his mouth, and it's like they're shooting so many people in this movie. It's ridiculous. Like it's cartoonish how many people they're shooting up in this movie. Really, it's literally called Shoot 'Em Up, and the time it was supposed to come out i don't it was like one of the school shootings that came out like a like one almost like columbine i don't know if it what year was columbine it was either columbine or another shooting right after that but it made like national news and this movie was in the hollywood system but as soon as that hit they was like okay we can't do it <laughs> so mm. like years and years later so in here clive owen shoot him up check that movie out and the director who did that and it might be one worth visiting later on so if you want to see Clive Owens at what I believe is his best, mm-hmm. there's a show called The Nick. 
Mm-hmm. It was on Cinemax, and it ran for two seasons, just two seasons. What? Yeah. It was American? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven Soderbergh directed it. And I heard about it through through another show, uh, Collider TV Talk. They mentioned it, and they were they, and they they kept mentioning it week after week. And I was like, man, okay, let me check this out. Put in the first episode, and it's a period piece. It, it, it's it's based around the the Knickerbocker um, Hospital in New York. But man, it's got drama, it's got dynamics, it's got uh, Andre Ward, uh, who also is a, is a great actor. And and oh man, I can't think of the other actor's name, but he's a, he's a he's a bigger guy, and he he's also in. Um, on the same TV show with Sterling K. Brown, this is us. He, he he's the he's the, the bigger guy who's always making jokes um, with his with his girlfriend uh, on that show. He does an Irish accent in the Nick. I thought the dude was Irish, and then I hear him, I'm like, oh, this dude's an American. <laughs> Impressive. But anyway, Clive Owens in the Nick. Yes, you yes. welcome Clive Owens. And yes, he just boosted you up. Boom. Hey, that's what happens when you're great, though, right? Indeed. Favorite scenes, and you know, just going on a tangent. What's your favorite scene from the film? I like this the joint Brittany Murphy. You know, oh man, I like the scene introducing Clive Owen. There's so many good scenes. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good Ooh. scenes. <laughs> Oh. What is the uh, the actress who played? She was in Entourage. She played the one of the executives in Entourage in this movie in um, Sin City. In Sin City, she's <laughs> she gets her arm cut off and eaten. Oh, that is Miss Carla. So yeah, when when when, her, when she's introduced, she's hardly wearing anything, and it's funny because Tarantino's like, "Oh, look at this scene. I like this. I really like this shot." <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is a great shot. Right, it's like right as he's coming like, in, she's like walking with like a shot on her butt, and oh, it's, it's like it's, she's oh, it's so well lit. I'm like, oh, really? Is it really Tarantino? But you know, she she is a she's a talented actress. She's um, you know, she's in she's in Watchmen. Uh, also, she's uh, Silk Spectre's mom, and so she's the she's the younger version of of. of she is. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sally okay. Jupiter. Sally Jupiter. Uh, wait, I don't hope I'm not getting that that wrong. Um, we'll cut that out later. Sally is. The, the original, the, the, the original names. Silk Spectre, and then the other. But I remember her face. Yes. in the movie. Yes, I for, totally forgot about that. Yeah, so she's worked. She also was in a Sucker Punch, a Zack Snyder Sucker Punch. Wow. Yeah, she's in the the cabaret kind of scene. She's one of the main performers in that. Yeah, definitely, like just very very talented. But favorite scenes, man, I like a lot of. Yeah, I like a lot of scenes in the film. Clearly, Mickey Rourke, man. He is as Marv. He is just he kills it. Yeah, um, when he's when he's getting his tools ready, you know, and I, I like Rodriguez's <laughs> decision away, to, cut, yeah. to cut to each each tool. You know, my you know you know this hammer and these these gloves and these tubes and my mitts. You <laughs> yeah, know, that, that like, makes me laugh every time I see <laughs> it. I was like, and oh, my for- mitts. <laughs> like he's just he's so dialed in. Um, when I, I like I like the shot where he is. That way, him and and, and uh, Carla's character are they, they're captured, and she's you know without her hand. I, honestly, when she even says, you know, he made me watch, he made me watch. I don't know, I kind of it's a little cheesy, but I kind I kind of I kind of that reminds me of push the highlights out of her hair. Little Scott when Pilgrim you, reference yeah, when you there. repeat yourself right? like that, it gets bigger, it's more more dramatic. Right. But when he's up there, like kind of trying to pull the bars, yeah, you know, off, off the prison, and even to see the green screen version of that of him like. Kind of just sitting on a ladder, and he had like these little gloves on his hands. I'm like, oh, that's cool. But I just I like the look of that scene and the fight scene with him and uh, Kevin. I think is is Elijah's character's name. Mm-hmm. Oof. Um, yeah, a lot of the Marvin stuff stands out. Him 
Under the Water. I don't even know if I have a favorite scene, but they those are the ones that stand out. Marvin Under the Water, doing his thing, all the blood squirting out. No, okay, my favorite scene is probably when the when they what, what's the name of the city when the the name of the town when it's just Bas- ran by hookers. Basin. But there's a city inside of Sin City, a town in Sin City where it's just run by prostitutes, and they basically have a deal with the police. Like the yes. police don't go into that town, they don't go into that, they don't mess with each other. It's they 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 the police get a cut mm-hmm. of what they make, and in turn provide protection from the pimps and the mobsters to keep them to keep them out or from taking over the scene when um, one of the young prostitutes is walking the street and the the character that's the the boyfriend or ex-boyfriend of Brittany Murphy's character Benicio like, del, del Toro's Benicio character del Toro. following her and in, in the middle of this aisle and she pulls he pulls a gun out on her and then she was like this is the worst thing you could have done in your life oh honey that's the worst mistake you could have made. Then out of nowhere, Miho just throws a, a star Man. <laughs> at his hand. Hand pops off. Blood gushes out. But it's like white blood. Yeah. So it makes for a very, very awesome effect. And then Miho just jumps onto the hood and just stabs everybody with the swords, cutting people's heads off and all that stuff. Goes to town on them. Then one of my favorite actresses, Rosario Dawson, pops out of anywhere. I'm like, oh, well, hello. How are you doing today? How you doing? <laughs> Rosario, a lot of great shots, a lot, lot of, lot of awesome scenes uh, in this in this film. Um, See, I, I think that's probably my favorite sequence. I'm, I'm uh, I, I don't know, I don't know. There's so many, there's so many good ones. Uh, I like, I like a lot of Bruce, Bruce Willis's uh, scenes with his character. I do like the shots when they're moving in, and it's uh, the rain. The Frank Miller rain is in the background, mm. and then they go in close to the eyes. Like you can't do that in real life, and so like that stylized version of rain is pretty awesome. It gives a, a feeling. I don't know what feeling it is, but it's it's cool. It gives a certain tone and texture. Yeah, because the water's not running down into the actors' eyes, into their yeah. faces. I really, I really like the whole scene in Brittany Murphy's performance. Oh yeah, just because uh, I mean, because she, she kind of goes over, kind of the over the top, kind of classic noir kind of right. thing. When when uh, Del Toro is going to the bathroom and and, and the other and he's he's you know he's he's he slapped uh, uh, Brittany Murphy's character and one of the other guys says something to her and she's like she grabs the knife and she's like you keep your hands to yourself or I'll cut off your back you know something to that effect <laughs> just the way she delivers that line uh, then even after after Clive Owens jumps off the you know off the out of the window and, and onto the ground and, and she's like oh, yeah you damn fool you ruined the whole thing she's like just this over <laughs> top just kind of throwback to that noir kind of feel uh i know I, I i just i enjoy her her delivery throughout in in the in the small amount of time because she only shot literally for one day she did all the scenes she's wow. in all that in one day which again speaks to the beauty of when you're shooting digitally you aren't, it's a weird dynamic because you, you aren't pressed for time for the sake of we're in this location just for this period of time we got to go. You, but you literally can, you don't have to worry about flipping a, a, the scene so much, mm-hmm. um, but you can get all this coverage and all these, let me, you can get all these performances and it's really more so a matter of, of, a, of a wardrobe change, really, in, mm-hmm. in, in her case. And he then Rodriguez can just composite in whoever needs to composite in, and not even really have to worry about too much about people coming back and doing pickups. He can get somebody for every scene that he, that he needs them for during that period of time, and that's what he was able to do with her. Even her interactions with Bruce Willis's character when he comes into the bar, you know, composited together. So she was able to knock out all that she needed. And people, and Robert Rodriguez said this in some of his other stuff. He said people wonder what, how I'm able to get all these stars because people's, you know 
schedules are crazy and it's a good salesman he's like hey you know I, all you need to come in is for one day i just need you for one day you know mm-hmm. he tell um mickey rourke bruce willis um what is other michael madison antonio banderas so i remember him telling them that like hey you, i just need you for like just 10 days or whatever he's like you can get me done in that and that and that amount of time or whenever he's doing the spy kids and he's able to bring everybody in he's like hey i will just shoot today will be your day i'm just going to shoot you today it's mm-hmm. all about you and then you're out um, and that entices, you know, actors kind of come in. It's like, you know, they get their rate, whatever that is, you know, $20,000 yeah. for a day. Okay, let's go, you know. And they get to act. They get to spend more time acting versus kind of the sit and wait, which, yeah. you know, happens on, on a lot of a lot of sets. But they can just, all right, we're going to boom, set this up. And again, there's less setup because it was all green screen. Yeah. So it's like, all right, we'll, you know. We'll get it and we're ready to go. And even with that, again, with a lot of the lighting, you know, they're they're using digital lighting in a lot of cases. So it's like, all right, let's just boom on to the next scene. Wardrobe change, makeup. Um, speaking of lighting, the thing about green screen is that you have to fully light somebody from behind, from the side, everywhere to be able to comp them and put them on any kind of background that you need them to be on. And when doing that, you can make things super stylized. So there's a shot with Clive Owen when he's on the ledge with Brittany Murphy. And in a realistic setting, light hitting him from the front would spill over onto the background of the building. But because of how he shot it, like he could just be very well lit. And then behind him, there's no light. But that doesn't happen in real life. But in this world, it does. You can control it. You can literally Mm -hmm. control in in, in the physics of of it all and that yeah that definitely makes a huge difference like we mentioned with the rain um same kind of example where you can have that stylized effect and also with with these characters just kind of stay true to the graphic novel they kind of have this like kind of white outline on them which he was able to incorporate to really make them stand out and truly make truly make this for the most part aside from some selective coloring a black and white film and he says you know a lot of films we call black and white are really uh are really gray you know, kind of gray yeah. and white films. But That's this, true. this the contrast, you know, within this film, it's truly black and white. And considering that it's digital, uh, that's pretty amazing. Be informed is the best gift that you can give yourself. Uh, Robert Rodriguez talks about knowing enough about each job so that nothing is a pain in the butt. Use another word. But no, nothing's a pain in the butt. And... And when, when you're like that and you know a little bit about each job, you can be ahead of everybody. And Tarantino kind of talks about how he talks about like in Kill Bill, how, you know, they were using CG just to kind of get rid of like wires and things like that. But, you know, Tarantino had an idea to actually incorporate some CGI. Say, hey, what do you think? What do you think about this? And they give them all reasons why they can't do it or anything like that. Well, well, or how long it would take. Yeah. So basically they're selling Tarantino on the fact that this is going to take a long time. But had Tarantino being informed on like how special effects works in the computer world, he'd be like, no, actually, da 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 So let's just go ahead and get this knocked out real quick. Yeah, the... The unknown or the fear of the unknown definitely can can hinder and, and prevent you from taking steps, trying new things. Um, but Rodriguez used his his different films from Once Upon a Time in Mexico to the Spy Kids franchise to really perfect the visual effects aspect of things the in, in various areas. And also even his, his just background in, in music, the kind of the improvisation, the willingness to try new things and, and be able to play all kinds of instruments and know all different kinds of parts kind of just that mindset has just fueled him to be able to 
to be able to do that. And so, again, once again, when Tarantino came through, Rodriguez had it all set up, had his team ready to go. So that just made it so much easier for um, for Tarantino to, to come in and, and give it a shot and do that scene. He had nothing to lose and very little, even though he did some preparation, but very little to stress about. Uh, Bruce Willis makes a quick guest appearance on the commentary, and he's, you know, talking with Robert Rodriguez, and he talks about how, like, um, actors don't really view producers as part of the creative team. So, like, they were talking in regards to, like, Frank Miller, and he said, you know, Frank Miller could have very easily just been, like, you know, the writer or the person that's the creator Mm -hmm. um, or a producer on the project, but Robert Rodriguez as Bruce Willis, you know, having him as a co-director, I'm wondering for you, was that wasn't more helpful? And basically Bruce Willis said, yeah, it was. You know, it was easier him being a co-director, knowing that he was part of the creative team. It, it helped tremendously. And I can kind of go to him and ask some kind of like some background information on some of the characters. And, you know, Frank Miller would give him like some cryptic stuff to, you know, whatever they were talking about, something real quick. And then it, it helped out Bruce Willis. Absolutely, uh, because Frank had such an intimate knowledge of these characters that he had created. Um, all these characters are original characters that came from from Frank, but also Bruce Willis, once he met with Frank, uh, Bruce Willis has a love for film noir, uh, a, a genuine love for that, and he, he loves pulp, um, and those kind of pulp uh, books, and so uh, obviously he was in pulp fiction as yeah. well, but then being able to do this kind of film that just worked out perfect. And having Frank there, he could go and say, well, you know, was, is this kind of true to, to this character, what they would do? And Frank could give him whatever he needed. And so you know, with all that, you know, he Bruce was able to shoot uh, 10 days. And he said, you know, he felt he got done in 10 days what normally would take five weeks to to accomplish. Again, he said that the, the actors gave a lot of respect to, to Frank Miller and to his his work and even the panel. So like they, they, they didn't really have a, a script I mean, they had a, a a script, but by and large, the actors used the books. That was like the influence of the dialogue for, for all of that. Again, Rodriguez did not uh, take a screenwriting credit because, I mean, they were using and adapting the dialogue from the graphic novel. Um, I mean, that's a really being faithful. But again, the actors respected Frank and, and valued his uh, his feedback, his comments, his, his notes, Again, this thing, again, you see behind the scenes, this thing is green screen. If you get a chance, I, I encourage you to watch the the 10-minute green screen version of the film where Rodriguez just, it's, it's, it's literally like the same edit. Everything's edited together, but it's just, it's on fast forward. Like 10 minutes, you're going to go through like the whole film. And, mm-hmm. But you still see the movement of the performances, which is, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see. Um, I definitely enjoyed, overall enjoyed this commentary. You know, especially it's always like kind of cool to get Tarantino on the commentary because, of course, he doesn't really do commentaries at all. Mm-hmm. So for him with his crazy self to kind of come in high off whatever he's high off life <laughs> and just kind of, hey, how's it going? Ah! I'm like, what is he's a special character, but it always kind of brings a smile. Okay. He does. You can hear it in his voice. You can hear the smile. Hey, yeah. All right, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Go do the choke. Just kidding. <laughs> Who knows what goes on in Hollywood? Okay. Anyway. This uh, is America. This is America. (laughs) I appreciate y'all listening in to this edition of Filmmaker Commentary. We were commenting on Sin City. Thank y'all and have a good one. What about next week? Oh, snap. Oh, yeah. All right. Next week. Question. 
do we have a way for our listeners to chime in? So if you go to facebook.com forward slash filmmaker commentary, there's a fan page specifically for this. And we've had somebody reach out before. Okay. And um, and I let him know. He, he, he said he enjoyed the Ladybird um, episode. And I was like, hey, if you have any suggestions, let him know. And he said, hey, I will. Okay. Uh, this is your chance. This is your time. So how about by um, by Monday? By Monday. Mm-hmm. Right? We give you guys the weekend. So by Monday, you let us know whether you want us to uh, cover either Cadillac Records or if you want us to cover Monster. We definitely want to cover another film by a, a woman director. Uh, mm-hmm. We know originally our plan was to oh God. was to cover Monster. So a funny thing happened on the way to the movie store. So um, we both were looking for a copy of Monster. Now, we had seen on Amazon that there was a Blu-ray edition that did have commentary. I went to my local spot, my, 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 my uh, movie trading company close by where I'm at. I went to the DVD section first because they normally rent DVDs. They normally don't rent Blu-rays. Went, found a copy, no commentary. I was like, oh, man. So then I, they, didn't have a, they didn't have a Blu-ray there. And so they directed me to another location. I went out there. They did have only one. So I went to that location out in Garland. Super friendly, super helpful. They had the Blu-ray. And so I just I just grabbed it and said, all right, cool. And then I, I, I got home. Now, within that process, Reginald had reached out to me because he was trying to also track down this coveted Blu-ray of Monster. And turns out that, you know, I got my copy in Garland. It was only one there. So he had to go up to Allen. Which, which is like 35 minutes from where we live. A little bit of a trek. And so... He got his copy, and I hadn't started watching uh, mine yet, and he reached out to me and was like, hey, man, uh, there's no commentary on this. I don't see it. Are you seeing one on yours? I'm like, ah. And I looked on the back, and then I looked on Amazon, and this was a different version of the Blu-ray. Uh, so, yeah, neither of which that but we had purchased had commentary. So and We both made the same mistake. Yes. So, you know, trust but verify. Read the back uh, every time. So nonetheless, that's why we didn't do Monster this go around for those of you who are who are astute and, and keen. Right. So we had to call an audible and yeah. uh, take a trip to Sin City. And I was excited to actually talk about Monster. I was like, dear God, like I didn't I haven't watched the movie at all. Um, I knew about the movie, but I've never seen it. And so mm-hmm. watching it, I was like, what? Yeah. Like, and based on a true story. That's what's even worse. Like, my wife, she didn't want to see it. She was like, what is this? Charlie Theron? Because, you know, there's some conspiracy theories about Charlie Theron. We'll get into that later in life. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we, uh, I played the trailer, and it caught her attention, like, right away. She's mm. like, oh, God, I didn't know this was about that. Mm. We got to watch it. The Charlize trailer Theron. is perfect. The, the, the trailer is perfect. It, it, it's an old school trailer, too, but it painted perfectly. You mm. know, like, what would you do? And it's easy to to judge people and things like that. But what would you do in, if you grew up under the same circumstances and things like that? It makes you just think a lot. So I, I really wanted to talk about that film, but hey, it's all good. So you let us know. Yeah. Um, go ahead at the Facebook fan page for Filmmaker Commentary. Let us know by Monday the 14th. Will it be, once again, Cadillac Records or will it be Monster? All right. That's our episode. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Peace out. Peace.